Hey everyone, and welcome to our weekly Q&A. Today we have Coach Chris with us. Welcome. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me. It's good to be on. Super nice. I, I was I was just about to say that for the first time ever, but then I was like, I think, have we done one of these before or is this the first one? No, this is the first Q&A. Right? It is, yeah. So historic Q&A with, with Coach Chris. And um, as we are waiting for some questions to answer, I want to share a very, very exciting announcement, which is that Coach Chris has uh, joined Bedtime and is now one of our coaches. I am. Yeah, I've been a Bedtime coach now for, I think, a little bit over two weeks now. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's surreal. I mean, I, I was a Bedtime client of yours uh, back in 2021, I believe, early 2021. 20, you know, and looking back now, if you would have asked me back then, would you would you imagine ever being a coach for bedtime? I would have said no. There's just no way. I don't, I don't I don't see the parallels. But yeah, here I am. Amazing. Yeah, that's it's so so nice to have you and like you know the expertise, knowledge, and everything you bring is amazing. And uh, yeah, how how was it? How was the like the first few clients you you messaged and how did it feel to to actually be doing it? Um, a little odd to be honest with you. Um, I'm not too familiar with text based coaching. Um, I prefer more one on one. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of being on my phone to begin with. So that's a bit of a challenge, <laughs> but, uh, all in all, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's, it's, it's flexible. That's for sure. And very user-friendly. So I appreciate that. Oh, that's nice. Very, very nice. And, um, people are saying hello uh, already. Uh, Obadiah's here. Hi. Leo says hello. Hope you're fine. We hope you're fine too. And, and Jerry and Connie says, I have I have been, I think there's maybe more coming there, but yeah, anyone out there, um, just, uh, you know, uh, feel free to share your questions and we'll be, we'll be answering today in our live. And, um, uh, other than that, uh, you, we were just talking about how you, um, how you moved and you're, 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 you're happy in your new place. Uh, we talked about how, like we're, we're both like living in smaller cities. We used to live in right. big cities before, but, uh, what, what do you like most about living in a small city? Uh, the nature just the trees, the, the open land, you know, just escaping the concrete jungles. It's a beautiful thing. I've been in the city for all my life. Um, so just, um, yeah, just appreciating all the green around me and just soaking it all in, you know, day by day. It's really nice. It's amazing. And so for, for people who don't know, uh, myself, uh, me and my family, we used to live in New York City for about seven years and then moved to Oregon, uh, uh, Eugene, Oregon. And Chris, you moved from Miami to uh, Lake Placid, Florida. Uh, Lake Placid, right. All right. Well, let's jump in here and see. Um, Leo is with us and says, I have a question for Chris since he once struggled with insomnia. How did this end? How much time did it take? How do you feel now? Do you still have sleep thoughts? Thank you. Several questions for you, Chris, there. But yeah, go ahead. What do you think when you hear this? Um, common question. You know, everybody wants to know how long does it take or how long did it take you? Um, you know, it varies from person to person. Um, but for me, you know, generally speaking, it took me probably, I want to say six months before I saw some really noticeable improvement in my sleep. But prior to six months, I saw a noticeable improvement in my attitude and my mind, my mindset. Um, the anxiety started to dissipate. Um, I overall felt lighter. Um, my days were better. And with that, you know, gradually sleep came. Um, and that's six months after getting formal education, you know, prior to that, I was just down deep in the rabbit hole. I tried CBTI, you know, that didn't really work. If anything, it made things worse for me. 
So, yeah, I would say about six months, more or less, give or take. I think one of the other questions was, do you still think about sleep? Was that one of them? Yeah, it was like, uh, how, do you, how do you feel now? And do you still have sleep thoughts? I feel great. Um, I don't think of sleep, not anymore from the lens of an insomniac, that's for sure. I think about sleep more from an educational standpoint. Um, I'm a coach now. So, and I think that anyone listening out there, that should serve more as like a reassurance because, you know, that goes to show you that you can still think about sleep and still not be affected by it afterwards. You know, you would think, how could you be a coach after dealing with this, you know, consuming yourself with insomnia education all day long, but the fear is no longer there. It's just non-existent. Um, so you can get past this for sure. That's such a good point. Like, I, I, as you know, Chris, like a lot of our students and naturally have this sort of like goal or expectation that when I'm past this, I'll just like never have a worry thought about sleep anymore. Or, or like the, the goal is to like, right. you know, not think about it at all, but that's not who, how we humans are. Our brain will kind of keep sending us these warning messages. And, and, the, and the nice thing, as you say, is that we can see like, we can do fine, even if we have some anxiety, some worry thoughts, and if we're thinking about it, et cetera, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there's not a switch that you can shut off from one day to another and you're recovered. It just doesn't work that way. You know, those thoughts will still be there for a little bit, but the less you pay attention to them, um, the quicker they dissipate, you know? And with that, you get your life back. Wonderful. All right, let's see. Um, France Stone is with us and says, can losing sleep night after night cause health issues? I can start with this one and just say sure. that, um, uh, you know, of course, we don't provide any form of medical advice here. But um, for you, Fran, and anyone else who has this, this type of question, we have a whole playlist called Heard Online, where we uh, review like articles and things like that. And what we find very consistently is like that there's no evidence whatsoever to show that sleep, uh, short sleep or insomnia causes any health problems. So I would say this, that losing sleep night after night has not been shown anywhere to cause any health issues. Um, but then just for a kind of coaching or teaching perspective here, um, just one thing came, came into my mind here, Chris, which was this like losing sleep. Like when we use that word, like the expression, like losing sleep, do you do you hear that sometimes and what what do you think when you hear that expression chris um i i think you know it's important to discern you know between sleep deprivation not sleeping and actually losing sleep the ability to sleep um oftentimes you know we can kind of get mixed up there um we don't lose the ability to sleep you know it's just a it's a it's a, a temporary um you know disruption in our nervous system that happens sleep becomes frazzled but we don't actually lose our sleep. So it's important to kind of understand that and, and, and know that although it may seem like we are losing something, we really aren't losing anything. Yeah, so true. And something I've been like ta talking about lately is how as odd as it may sound and counterintuitive, and some people may even kind of get upset, upset at me with saying this, but in a way like insomnia in a way is like a proof that our sleep system is working exactly as it should. Because like when, when we are, scared you know our heart rate is supposed to go up we're supposed to be kind of alert we like we're supposed to be like on the lookout so as odd as it may sound it's uh if anything the fact that we're sleeping less when we're scared anxious that it's, it's it shows that everything is working as it's designed but of course there's a misunderstanding which is that when we think that being awake is a threat then it can create this kind of loop there but exactly. just a little point there 
let's let's jump to the next one sylvia is with us and says hello daniel coaches and coaches thank you for this community thank you thank you for being here sylvia um my question is does sleep window does does sleep window must be must i do have to wake up seven okay i think the question is do i have to wake up seven every morning even when i don't feel like it because i haven't slept at all yeah common question too what what, what would you say to this one chris um sure i think um you know first and foremost what matters most is intent um you have permission to sleep past seven o'clock um don't be so hard on yourself you know this isn't cbti there's no strict rigid rules here um you know generally speaking if you feel like you're sleeping past seven o'clock because you desperately need sleep you need to catch up on sleep then we know that that's kind of reinforcing the narrative that is insomnia it can be counterproductive. You know, on the other hand, if you're doing it from a place of where, you know, it feels good to kind of stay in bed a little longer this morning because the bed feels cozy. It's nice and warm. I want to snooze in a little bit. That's fine. You know, that little shift in intent is so important. And if you catch yourself, you know, kind of chasing sleep in the morning, just acknowledge it, you know, and from then on, just, you know, be aware, you know, why you're doing it. Um, but you can definitely sleep past your sleep window for sure. Speaking of sleep windows, they're temporary. They're not for life. You know, it's just now in the beginning. Hundred percent. Which, like, I'm, you know, I have nothing to add. I totally like agree with everything you said. And and uh, on, on your end, like Chris, I'm curious about this. Like, did you find the the like the idea of the sleep window like helpful? And did you did it just fade away, or did it some point be, or did you some point to say like, oh, I don't need this anymore? Or, or what are your thoughts on this? In my case, I found it extremely helpful because I was notorious for chasing sleep in the mornings. Um, yeah, I would spend way too much time in bed. Um, you know, it wasn't unheard of for me to spend, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours in my bed sometimes up until 11 a.m. in the morning. Um, so for me, it mattered um, because it was that bit of control that I had to be willing to let go of in order to help get past this insomnia that I had. Um, and yeah, gradually I just stopped paying attention to what time I got up and little by little, there were mornings where I just slept past my alarm clock and didn't think much of it. So yeah, I think it does kind of dissipate over time. Yeah. Wow. So nice. And it's so like, it's so interesting because like, it's exactly like you said, like the whole idea is it's kind of a nudge for us to let go of control right. and it's, it, but it can sound counterintuitive for people who are like, Oh wait, so you set an alarm to let go of control. It's true. We kind of set an alarm to say like, this is from this point on, I'm not going to chase sleep. I'm not going to try to attempt to have control beyond this point. So, and, th and that's what I think is so different from CBTI, which like CBTI, the whole idea is like, it's sort of a camouflage way of trying to have control, but the way we teach it is like, no, it's actually just an invitation to let go of control. So yeah, a little comment there. For sure. Uh, let's see. Jerry says, uh, or maybe it's Connie, uh, says, I have been waking up at 4 a.m. since the time change. My normal wake-up time was 5 a.m. I believe my circadian rhythm is out of sync and I can't seem to get it reset. Could this be insomnia? Okay, a nice question. Um, of course, sorry to hear this happening, but thanks for the question. And yeah, what, what do you think when you hear this, uh, Chris? Um, it's a common occurrence um, from what I've seen based on my, my time coaching. Um, you know, nothing says insomnia, like having that, you know, that, that fear around not being able to sleep at night, you know, that anxiety that, that, that surrounds it. 
Um, you know, can it be insomnia? Well, ask yourself, how does waking up at 4 a.m. make you feel? Does it make you feel nervous? Does it make you feel anxious? Um, if the answers are yes and yes and yes and yes and yes, then it could be insomnia for sure. Um, regarding the circadian rhythm, um, you know, if you are paying attention to what time you're waking up every single morning, then I would say it is possible that you could kind of program your brain to, uh, you know, kind of condition condition itself to wake up at, at that time. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel. I, I see it exactly the same way. Right. It, it, that uh, it's kind of like we talk about these like Swiss awakenings when somebody says like, oh, I wake up at 2.30 a.m. every single night. Well, it can become a self-reinforcing thing if you're like, oh, it's 2.30 a.m. again. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Well, then we're kind of training our security rhythm that, oh, something important happens at 2.30 a.m. and then it keeps doing it. And I think it's exactly like that. And which which begs the question, how do you know what time it is, you know? <laughs> and we can go back to the timeless sleep window. Well, maybe we should implement that in our, our uh, you know, our, our healing process, so to speak. 100%. And so, yeah, for Connie and everyone else, like what Chris is saying is basically like, if you're finding yourself waking up one hour earlier than, you know, you did before, then it's sort of like, how do you know that? Maybe you can make things a little bit fuzzier. Maybe you wake up and, you know, it, basically the, the story here is that when you're no longer paying so much attention to exactly what minute or hour you wake up or you don't really ponder what it means, then, you know, things, think, these things uh, kind of fade, fade out by themselves, right? Um, very nice. And um, let's see. Let's check in with, uh, with Obadiah, who's, oh, I hit the hit the wrong one, but I hit the nice one too. Silly says, thank you. Chris, uh, makes sense. You're I feel better already. That's nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, let's see. Obadiah says, every time I wake, I have to pee, no matter how much water I have been drinking or how long I've slept. It's probably psychological. In some for seven years, I'm 26 years old. So yeah, this is a question about like, I have to pee like all the time, regardless of how much I'm drinking with the realization that's probably psychological. Um, thanks for, uh, for sharing this and asking Obadiah, but yeah. Uh, have you come across, the, across this uh, in your coaching so far, uh, Chris? Across my coaching and throughout my own personal experiences with insomnia, um, you know, there were nights where I get up to go to the bathroom seven or eight times. Um, you know, in my opinion, honestly, if you're not drinking any water excessively at night, then it probably is psychological. It's anxiety. You know, I think we know now that, you know, excessive urination is a symptom of, of hyperarousal and anxiety. Why it happens, I don't think we're really sure why it happens. There's theories behind it. Um, I think you've spoken on it, Daniel, yourself. You know, maybe it's just, you know, that fight or flight kicking in, you know, our ancestral need to kind of, you know, urinate so that we don't have to stop and urinate while we're running from a threat. You know, is it kind of like yeah, that, that? That's how I see it too. Yeah, as you can tell, yeah, I, I pondered this. And now, like, as much of this, like, pondering is like just self, like, ob observing yourself. And for me, it's always like when before I get on a call like this or something like that, I often feel like, oh, I need to be pee before that. And I'm like, why is that? And I think it's my my hypothesis that's come like we do it's like in preparation for like we think, oh, there's going to be some kind of fight or flight thing happening later. So we pee in kind of preparation for that. Um, which, you know, I don't have any evidence for it, but that's kind of what, what I've pondered and, and think. And um, yeah, very common, uh, Obadiah. And uh, how do we meet this? Well, I think just seeing, understanding that, oh, this is nothing strange or, un or uncommon. Many, many people have had this and they've found their way to peaceful sleep. That is really, really helpful. And then, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Chris, but what I, what I often 
teach people that ask me about this is that sure you could say uh you know i've, I've already peed three times i don't think i actually need to go a fourth time so i think i'm just gonna stay here and like sort of like show myself that i don't need to pee which maybe can help but it's also a little bit like you know it's a little bit uh i don't know not aggressive but it's a little bit like controlling in, in a way so often what I teach is more like, you know, if you feel like you need to pee, even if that, you know, you don't actually need to pee, it can be more helpful to just like allow it to happen. And then, you know, you know, don't judge yourself for it or don't think it's anything strange. I think that's really helpful, but how do you approach it? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you hundred um, percent. I, I think we just need to kind of, uh, uh, allow it. Um, you know, when we kind of start looking at it as like, as, as, as a trial, so to speak, I think that creates more anxiety around it and we're probably more inclined to pee more throughout the night if that makes any sense um so yeah totally yeah uh, i think that i see things so clearly so so similarly to you all right um let's see fran says uh what did you say about taking medication for anxiety i'm not sure did we talk about that so far no, we have not spoken about medication. Maybe the question is like, what do you say about this? Like, what is what are your thoughts on this? Uh, maybe that's more the question from Fran. And uh, I can go first here and sure. and say that, um, you know, again, like no medical advice here. You know, anybody concerned about your health, talk to your doctor. But I would say that it uh, it's um, very similar to what you said, Chris, about like, uh, the, like, do I need an alarm or get up at seven o'clock every morning? It's the, really the intent to me that that. That I think matters. And I think it's same thing with like um, this. So anxiety to me is like, it's an emotion. Like, you know, we have sadness, we have fear, we have disgust, we have anger. Anxiety is one of those emotions. And it has like a practical purpose. It's like, we're meant to feel anxious when something is potentially threatening. And, and then we can like, you know, hide or do something like that. And so it has a practice, it has a purpose, but when, when it doesn't feel nice, and that's kind of, the whole idea behind it is supposed to not feel nice. So it kind of nudges us to do something to, to get away from some type of danger. Right. But when we're like, when we, we, when we identify the feeling, the anxiety itself as a threat and a problem, that's tricky because then we're like, oh, I have to stop this, which is basically telling our brain like, oh, we don't want this message. And then the brain goes like, oh, this message wasn't heard. I got to push this message even harder. And so we can have more anxiety the more we try to escape anxiety. So Going towards the question of medication here, I think the intent is so helpful to, to think about because if we think like, oh, I'm going to take a medication to get rid of this, to, to, to escape this, then I think it can reinforce the idea that anxiety is a threat and it can kind of keep building. We can have more anxiety. But if we think about it as like, and like, you know, I can take this medication because it can make it a little bit easier for me to be anxious. It can make it more okay for me to feel this way. It can help. It can help that way. Anything that we do with intent of making it more okay to feel certain way, I think can help. So those are my thoughts, but do you, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I have my own personal experiences with medication. Um, I have friends and family clients and, you know, again, intent is key. Like with everything else, you know, if you're taking medication with the goal of trying to completely eliminate all of your anxiety, it's probably going to backfire on you eventually. Um, you know, I hate to say it, um, you know, you see a lot of people that might experience some relief early on, you know, whether it's placebo effect or is the medication working, who knows. But again, you're trying to push something away that doesn't like to be pushed away. And it's going to put you're going to get more pushback when you try to do that. 
So there will come a time, not necessarily so for everybody, but for some people where the anxiety will kind of, you know, come back after a certain period of time. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, medication can be helpful, you know, again, no medical advice, but, you know, it, it can help some people with extreme cases of anxiety or sleep anxiety in this case, and kind of help give you that extra space in your mind, that extra bandwidth to where you can kind of process the teachings more, um, if that makes any sense. And most important, you know, a lot of self-kindness. If you're going to take medication, you know, take it from a place of self-kindness, no judgment at all. Um, it's totally okay. You know, that's what I would say. Yeah, 100% agree. And that, that uh, the self-kindness portion is so, so helpful because so, as you know, we have so many clients that are like conflicted who are like, yes. I don't want to take this, but I'm still taking it. Why am I taking it? And, you know, I, I, I said I wasn't going to take it, but I took it anyway. And then that leads to kind of like this inner friction and tension, which can create some struggle, but self-kindness is so, so helpful there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, meds can be a tool for sure. Um, but you know, just there, there's, you know, in this insomnia journey, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's, there's work that has to be done. I, I know we don't, we say no effort, but there's kind of effort into putting no effort, you know, if that makes any sense. Um, so there's kind of a lot of times no way of getting around that one, you know, that's so true. It's kind of a little counterintuitive, but we yeah. often have to, you know, put in some effort to sort of like arrive where there's no effort, you know, something like that. Right. Um, very, very nice. Uh, Connie said, um, I think this was maybe, um, maybe a tip to people, like just saying, like, I get up uh, and go to the kitchen and, and oh, get up and Perfect. look. Oh, it's a question like, how do you know the time? I get up and go to the kitchen and look. Got it. All right. So, which is again, you know, very natural to do, but maybe an invitation there to say like, oh, maybe I won't look, maybe I'll do something else. Um, okay, Liz is with us and uh, asks the following, how about the physical symptoms of insomnia that affect my life during the day? How can I deal with that common question, Liz? Thank you for asking that. And um, yeah, Chris, what, what, what do you think when you hear this? Um when she says physical symptoms, I would imagine um, maybe some brain fog, you know, fatigue, maybe some uh, lingering anxiety from the night before, things like that. Um, you know, those things are real. They're very much real. And there's no doubt that not sleeping well can kind of, you know, leave you not feeling so well the following day. Um, but, uh, you know, in my journey, what it took me very long to figure out why I was feeling these symptoms. For me, a lot of it was just the struggle that I was in the battle that I was engaged in at night, you know, the, the frustration, the anger, the, the, the uncertainty, the, the, the ruminating, all of that really took a toll on, on my body. So, you know, first and foremost, I would say, you know, be kind to yourself on those days where you do feel like that. Um, you know, you push through as much as you can, and there will be days where you can kind of, you know, find those reserves within you and, you know, surprise yourself and get a lot of things done, but there will be days where you just kind of can't and that's okay. You know, you kind of have to allow yourself the space to 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 allow yourself to feel tired and 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 exhausted and angry and frustrated and sad and all of those other things. But again, why are we really tired? You know, how are we showing up at night and how much of an influence does this have on me during the day is an important question that I uh, often ask my clients. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm echoing now. Maybe you can just lower me on your side, Chris, but seems to be fine now anyway um yeah yeah totally and i would just want to add one more thing which is uh, well, maybe two more things one is that we have um a whole playlist that's that's in the descri description of any video 
and it's called uh, Unrefreshing Sleep. And there's uh, an episode there called Battle Scars, which is, you know, what you're referring to a little bit here, Chris. Um, and the second thing is, you know, what you also said, but I'll say it like maybe with an analogy or a different way, which is that we can imagine, uh, if we imagine uh, a random person and we, we literally keep this person awake for a whole night and ask the person, like, how do you feel the next day? For sure, this person will say, like, oh, and I'm, I'm a bit tired. I'm sleepy. Maybe I'm not kind of as focused as I am. And, and it shows us that for sure, just not sleeping itself can, 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 can do that. But what we will not hear that person say is, I feel like my world is collapsing. I have this doom and gloom feeling. I have a tsunami of anxiety. I feel like pain. I feel like vomiting. I have nausea. My eyes are sore. Like, you know, and, and so we can see that so much of even the physical sensations, they don't come from little sleep itself, but they come from, you know, our thoughts around that, you know, and, and, and when we see that we can be like, oh, okay, so it, it's not about me like just sleeping more. That's really not what's going to re make a real change, but more like it's about a change in how I treat myself, treat myself and think about myself. So as you said, like understanding awareness of where it comes from, plus like self-kindness, I think that's kind of a magical combination. Awareness and self-kindness so, so helpful. 100%. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Liz, hope that made sense. And I think uh, we'll conclude there. It was super nice, Chris, and we should do this soon again. Definitely. Sounds good. Okay. Anytime. Bye, everyone.